you are listening to the Grace Capital Church Podcast, broadcasting from our Pittsfield campus. A circle. Simple. Round. Refined. A shape that was spoken into existence with the universe. And a shape that holds powerful meaning. We see this shape all over creation, the sun, stars, our earth, and we find it in some of our most precious possessions. It's a beautiful symbol of wholeness and completeness, a symbol of infinite motion. It's a shape that represents love and commitment and a symbol of unity. Unity, an idea of connectedness even when separated. To be a group of people moving in the same direction with the same heartbeat. It's an idea that we, as a family of churches, are better together than we are by ourselves. We were never meant to be alone. And we believe in being a community of action. That our love for one another will drive us beyond the four walls into our communities to share the transformative presence of God with our neighbors. It's a love that brings families back together. That's the community we strive to be, bringing heaven to earth. Amazing things happen when a group of people commit to one cause, when they rally around the same mission, something happens. You have a movement, a God-given mission and vision for our future. God has given all of us a unique part to play in accomplishing what he has set before us. And we are most impactful when we stay true to who God has called us to be. Because the kingdom of God doesn't need any more replication of other ministries. And it doesn't need any more imitation. What it needs is innovation that comes through obedience. For we experience no greater freedom than when we are walking in step with Christ and going where he has called us to go. But we know that our God is for us. We know that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So here we stand with a lamp on our feet and a light on our path, coming alive to our calling. For we are Grace Capital Church, and this is our awakening. How's everybody doing? It's, yeah, it's getting cold outside. Uh, just one more plug. This is uh, We're continuing tonight. We're doing our awakening series, and if you're not in a life group, even if this is your very first time to be here at Grace Capital Church, find a life group. Talk with, with Kathy or Bob McGann. Um, he just raised his hand back there. And they'll connect you with a life group. And um, they're awesome. It's just a way to do things together, do life together. And um, even, even if you don't come to Grace Capital Church, if you want to be part of our life groups and, and do life together with some of our folks, you're more than welcome to do that. It's not an exclusive club by any means. Because they let me go. So we know that that's not very exclusive. So tonight we're going to continue with this awakening series that we started a couple of weeks ago. Talking about our our values, the church's values. It's the things that we hold dear. The things that uh, as we we talk about doing new things and as we talk about launching a a program or a class or, or anything like that. We run it through these values and see, does it line up with our values? Do, do the things that we want to do line up with, with who we are? And if they do, then we go with it. And if they don't, then we say, you know, that, that may not be a bad thing. In fact, it may be a great thing, but it's not God's thing for us. 
And so that's, that's why we have values. That's why we declare our values and put them on our website and, and preach about them because we want you to know who we are and we want you to be a part of who we are. And as we talk about values, we can go forward together all in the same direction, the same path, walking together, doing life together, making a difference in the communities that we're in. So that's why we talk about values. The first week, uh, two weeks ago, we talked about what? God's presence. We value God's presence, and we believe that God's presence changes, changes us. Last week, we talked about the Holy Spirit and how we value the Holy Spirit, and we believe it's the Holy Spirit that empowers us to live this life in this hard world. You know, it can be hard to walk through this life that we're in, but the Holy Spirit in us empowers us to get through that and to make a difference and to share God's love with others. It's the Holy Spirit that empowers us. Today we're going to continue talking about our values in in this series. And and this week in Life Group, you're going to be talking about how people matter to us. People matter. It's people that really, they matter way more than programs. They matter more than buildings. People matter more than, than any other thing a church can do. Because a church is people. People matter. All of them. Did you get that part? All people matter. Not just part of them. We don't get to pick and choose who matters. All people matter. They matter to Jesus, and they better matter to us too as we walk out this life together. All people matter to us. So as we start out, let's take a quick look at uh, the book of Matthew. This isn't going to be our main passage, but it's a story that I want to read to you because I looked at it a little differently as I was talking about it over this past week or two. And it's the story of Jesus blessing the little children, Matthew 19, starting in 13 and going through 15. It says, Then little children were brought to him that he might put his hands on them and pray, but the disciples rebuked them. But Jesus said, Let the little children come to me, and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hand on them and departed from there. People matter. Those children came to Jesus, and they mattered to Him. His disciples, at that time, they didn't get it. They thought the children didn't matter. They were trying to shoo them off. They were rebuking them. They were telling them, Jesus doesn't have time for you. You're just a little child. And Jesus says, no, bring them to me. Let me bless them. Let me put my hands on them and bless them. He rebuked the rebukers. He said, no, bring those kids to me. Because they matter. All people matter to Jesus. Why do you think the disciples rebuked? Why do you think that they wanted to run the children off? And then why do you think Jesus rebuked them? Why do you think Jesus rebuked the rebukers? I think it was because the disciples just didn't get it. They didn't get it. At least in this point, at this point in their lives, they just didn't get it. That people matter to Jesus. All people matter to Jesus. There aren't just certain groups that Jesus tried to focus on, but everyone, all people matter to Him. And I'm afraid that sometimes I, I act like I don't get it also. I find myself wanting to marginalize someone or, or maybe a group of people because maybe I don't think they're worthy of my time or, or maybe I think they're not even worthy of Jesus. Sometimes I have to ask myself, who am I to decide who comes to Jesus? And I'm thinking that I'm probably not completely alone in that tonight. 
I think probably all of us feel this way at one time or another with someone or someone who's in our life or, or a group of people that we've marginalized, we might have villainized, we might have uh, declared that they're not worthy of Jesus' love. We've probably all been there. We've all been that person. The beggar on the street. Children who aren't so well behaved. Parents of children who aren't so well behaved. Our boss. A co-worker. That guy that's late to work every day. Surely Jesus isn't going to love him, right? A heroin addict. The woman at the office with that reputation. The gay community. Who else? Who else do we marginalize? Who else do we decide? Just like the disciples tried to decide with these children that that they don't need to come to Jesus, that Jesus isn't going to care for them. That list can go on and on, and it can be different for each of us. But I'm willing to go on record and say we all have that list. Maybe we don't write it down, but we have that. But how do we reconcile then in our minds of, of how some of these people who we think shouldn't matter to Jesus do? They don't matter to us, but and how do we reconcile that? How do we reconcile the fact that Jesus loves those people? And they better matter to me. How do we do that? Doesn't the beggar on the corner, doesn't he just, just get a job? Can't those parents make their children behave? Our boss, is he even human? Our co-workers, they can be so annoying. The addict making his own poor choices. The woman at the office with that reputation. The gay community. After all, they're, they're openly living a lifestyle that doesn't, doesn't line up with what Scripture says. They're not living a biblical lifestyle. Can't we marginalize them? Can't we just put them aside and say they're the ones that Jesus doesn't care about? I'm afraid we can't. I think Jesus loves them. So how, how, how can these people matter to us? How can they matter to Jesus? Doesn't He see the sinful lifestyle? How do I reconcile the poor and, and often sinful choices that these people or groups make and still live as though they matter to me? If I do live as these people matter to me, does that mean that, that I'm condoning their sin, that... I'm watering down the gospel. I don't think so. But these are hard questions. They're hard questions. We wrestle with them. We go round and round in our minds. We talk about them. And you can talk about these things at your life group this week. How do we do it? How do we reconcile loving and caring about these people that need to matter to us when they're willingly and openly living a lifestyle that we know isn't biblical? Those are hard questions. So where do we go when we need to find an answer to a hard question? We go to Scripture, right? So let's look at the book of John tonight. Verse 8. I'm sorry, chapter 8. I knew something didn't sound right there. Chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning, 
he came again into the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without a sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? And she said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. What a powerful story. Jesus had been teaching in the temple courts and he had gone up to the Mount of Olives for the night. And it seemed that that Jesus must have had some short nights when he was here on earth. He'd stay up late and here he was getting up early to go back to the temple courts to continue his teaching. And as he taught, he took the posture of sitting, which is a Jewish tradition. So he was sitting and teaching and speaking over the people, teaching them God's ways. And here come these scribes and Pharisees with this woman that they had caught in adultery. And you see, she had been caught in the very act of adultery. It wasn't that she was being accused of adultery or she was being suspected of adultery. She had been caught in the very act of adultery. She was guilty. Now, it's interesting that that the scribes and the Pharisees brought this woman and didn't bring the man. If, If she was caught in the act, they knew who the man was. But they didn't bring the man. And Jewish law dictates that People caught in adultery, the man and the woman, get the same punishment of stoning. But this also shows that these guys were just trying to trick Jesus. They were trying to set him up. Actually, I think they were trying to get him to say some things so that they could get those stones and throw them at him instead of at her. So as part of their setup, they wanted to, to stone this woman. They wanted to pick up rocks and throw them at her until she was dead. And they were ready. I can see them now in my mind's eye. Rocks in their hands, just waiting for Jesus to give an answer. And then they pressed Jesus for answers. He, he didn't speak at first. He wrote on the ground. We don't know what he was writing. Wouldn't you love to know? We don't know what he was writing. So they pressed him for an answer. And they were trying to trap him. The trap was to put Jesus in a place where There was no right answer. 
If he said to, for them to stone her, then he would be overstepping the boundaries of the Roman government that was ruling Jerusalem at that time. And he would be in big trouble with the Romans. And they would love to go and tell the Romans that Jesus was doing something that was above his boundaries. But then again, if he said to let her go, then that he'd be going against the law of Moses. He'd be, discredit, he'd be discredited. This holy man was going against the law of Moses. So Jesus was stuck. He was stuck between a rock and a hard place. Their motive was evil. But we get a great lesson from the story. Jesus was put in a place where he had to determine which was more important. A person or the letter of the law. And of course, both of these are important. You know, Jesus said he didn't come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill the law. The law was important to Jesus. But this woman was important too. She mattered. She mattered to Jesus. You know, God doesn't discriminate in the way he loves. And neither can we. And of course, even though Jesus was stuck between a rock and a hard place and he had been trapped, they were setting a trap for him and he was trying to trick him, but his answer was beautiful. We don't know what he was writing in the dirt. We don't really know everything that was going on there. There's lots of speculation. But his answer, which one of you is sinless? If you are, pick up the stone and throw it at her. Because the law of Moses says you have that right. And then he kept writing, even after he said that. And you know, I think maybe as he kept writing, he was even showing dignity to those guys, the scribes and the Pharisees, so that they wouldn't have to look him in the eye as they were convicted and as they lowered their head and walked away. Jesus cared about their dignity too. He cared about this woman's dignity and he cared about them too. The law should be upheld and this, and this woman's dignity should be upheld. Unlike the teachers of the law and the scribes and the Pharisees who wanted to use this woman to advance their own agenda, Jesus wanted to love her. He wanted to speak dignity to her. He wanted to show her grace. He wanted to correct her. Don't get me wrong. He didn't say, oh, everything's good, just go. No, he corrected her. Go and sin no more. She knew exactly what she had been caught in. So Jesus corrected her. But then he sent, he sent her out. He sent her out to stop living a life of sin. This woman mattered to Jesus. Would she have mattered to us? You see, Jesus is always willing to stand between people and the rocks. Literally and figuratively. He was willing to stand between her and the rocks. He could have gotten killed there. One wrong answer, and they would have come after him. But he was willing to stand between her and the rocks. He protected her. He protected the one who was living a life that was so ungodly. That's big. That's big. You see, Jesus is always willing to stand between the rocks and people. 
the children from the story I read earlier. Jesus stood before them and said, no. The woman at the well, if you know your, your Bible stories from Sunday school, the woman at the well who was living a sinful lifestyle. Jesus talked to her. He risked his reputation to talk with her. And his message to her was go and sin no more. If you know the story of the woman with the alabaster jar who came and broke the jar and anointed Jesus, Jesus stood between her and those who were out to make money because that alabaster jar was very, very, very expensive. And there were a lot of people who were very, very, very mad because they could have sold that and had lots of money. Jesus stood between her and them and said, what this woman does will be remembered and taught. Jesus even stood between the Roman soldier and Peter when Peter cut his ear off. Jesus protected that soldier who was going to take him to be crucified. People matter. All people matter. All people matter. God doesn't discriminate in the way He loves, and we can't either. People matter to God. Jesus was willing to stand up for all these people. Who are we willing to stand up for? Who are we willing to stand between the rocks for? Who matters to us? You know, for us, it's actually maybe easier because stoning isn't all that common today. I'm not sure that I've heard of too many people being stoned in Pittsfield in the last couple of years. So what are the rocks that we have to stand in front of, though? What are the things that we risk as we stand between the rocks and those who are marginalized? A reputation? Yeah, a reputation might take a hit. But I don't think that mattered too much to Jesus. A man of no reputation. The Bible tells us that, that he was without reputation because he cared about people, all people. What about our stance on, on an issue? Is our stance on an issue so important that we can't stand between someone in the rocks if, if they have maybe a different stance? They believe a different way? This didn't matter much to Jesus either. His stance, he said, his stance was to fulfill the law, not to abolish it. And this woman was caught in the act of breaking the law. But he let his love and care for her matter. He let it matter. What about our own view of justice? Is that what prevents us from stepping between people and the rocks? She deserved to be stoned. That beggar deserves to be hungry because he doesn't work. That addict, he deserves what he gets because he's making his choices. It's our justice. But you know, we don't get to decide what's just. What was just for this woman? What did the law say? What are the rocks that we're willing to stand in front of? Is it better to be right, to win an argument, or to care for people and save a relationship?
Jesus loves so beautifully, so gracefully, and so much dignity for everyone. How do we do that? How can people matter so much to Jesus? And how can I make people matter to me? How do we do that? You know the people that you're thinking of right now. I know the people I'm thinking of right now. How can we make them matter? Honestly, I feel like it comes down to this. We really can't make people matter to us until we understand how much we matter to God. Until we get that figured out, until we understand how much God loves us, cares for us, what He's done for us, I don't think we'll ever get to the point where we can say that all people matter to us. It's so easy to worry about our reputation, our stance, or our view of justice when we don't really know how Jesus put His reputation on the line for us as He went to the cross. It's easy to stand firm against an issue when we don't really realize how Jesus cares more about us than He does about our issues and more about others than He does about our issues. And it's, it's really easy to want justice for others until we realize how much grace Jesus has given us. It's so easy to want justice for others, right? How many of us want justice for ourselves? Do you think that that Jesus' death on the cross, because you remember this death, it was His choice. He could have beat the rap. Do you think His death on the cross reflected in any way His condoning the sinful lifestyle that you and I were going to lead? That He knew that you and I were going to lead? Do you think that His death on the cross condoned that? Do you think Him giving Himself up on the cross is condoning our sinful lifestyle? Or do you think we matter to Jesus? Do you think He did it because we matter? Jesus' death on the cross only reflects one thing. We matter to Him. You matter to Jesus. He did it for no other reason. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's pretty simple. Christ died for us while we were sinners. But sometimes, you know, that's a hard pill for us to swallow. That God really loves us. I mean, I can understand how He would love you, but how can God love me? If He only, if you only knew me, you wouldn't love me. How can God love us? Maybe as a child, your parents spoke that over you that you're unlovely, that you don't matter. Maybe a brother or a sister told you that you don't matter. Maybe, for some of us, maybe it was a school teacher who treated us like we didn't matter. Our boss. Who knows? You know, maybe, maybe it's us. Maybe it's ourselves who, who think we've done too much, we've been too sinful, we've lived too much sin. We've God couldn't love us. God couldn't love me. God could, I couldn't matter to God. How could I? Look at the things I've done. 
Well, let me tell you today, you matter to Jesus. You matter to Jesus. As a matter of fact, if if we read through Scripture, you can look in Proverbs 8, and it talks about how we're His daily delight. He delights in us daily. He delights in us because He created us. He made us in His own image. He gave up His heavenly place to come be a part of our world, to come be one of us, to live as we live, to take upon Himself every sin that all of us collectively could even imagine committing, and take those sins and take them to the cross to be brutally beaten, to be shamed, to be mocked, and murdered. That's how much you mean to Jesus. That's how much you matter. We matter. We matter so much that, that Jesus was willing to go, for the, go to the cross for us. He was willing to be brutalized and mocked and shamed and murdered for us. We can look at Hebrews. It's an interesting scripture there. Hebrews 12, 2. I'm going to share that with you. Is he, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The joy that was set before him? What's that? What joy was set before Jesus that he was willing to go to the cross? It's the joy of reconciling us to God. The joy of seeing those of us who think we're so sinful that we don't matter, be reconciled to God. Jesus was willing to go to the cross for that. And it's interesting, the shame, the shame that Jesus felt on the cross. Because the Scripture, the verse here doesn't say that, that Jesus despised the pain It says he despised the shame. The shame of being mocked and beaten for sinners like us. But he saw the joy set before him. The joy set before him that you and me could be reconciled to him, could be a friend of Jesus. Despite all the junk that we've been through, That we matter. We matter. We matter. That's Jesus. He came to earth to die for us. He didn't have anything to gain from it. What did Jesus gain from his time here on earth? The shame the shame that he despised. He did it simply because of his love for us and because we matter. Consider that. Those those of you who don't know Jesus as your Savior, he did it for you. He's willing to stand between you and your accuser. Wherever you've been, whatever you've done, 
He's here to stand between you and those rocks that your enemy wants to throw at you. The enemy of our soul, Satan, who wants to tell you that you don't matter. Who wants to tell you that you've done way too much for God to love you. You've done way too much for God to care about you. You've done way too much for to matter to God. That accuser. That enemy. And those are lies. Because the truth of the Scripture tells us who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. And he sits at the right hand on the throne of God. I don't know where some, some of us here tonight stand in our relationship with God. But I want to give you an opportunity tonight to realize that you matter to God. If we could just all bow our heads and, and close our eyes and, and think about it for a minute. We matter to God. We matter to Jesus so much that He died. He, he endured the the cross. He endured the shame. He endured the pain. He was mocked and beaten for us because we matter. Maybe someone here who has never come to that before in your life. That point where you know that you know that you know that you matter to God. If that's you, if you've never come to the point of knowing this and and you want tonight to ask Jesus to be your Savior because you do matter to Him, I would like to pray with you. If you would, just slip your hand up for a couple of seconds and you can put it back down. And I would like to pray with you tonight. Because you matter to Jesus. You matter to us. You matter to me. Our Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for these who tonight, Father, who are just hearing that they matter to you. That you endured the cross, you endured the shame, you despised it, but you endured it for us. Lord, I pray for those who don't know You yet. Father, that as they raise their hand, as they open their hearts, Lord, and ask You to come in to bring salvation so that You can stand up to the enemy of their soul and say, no, Satan is a liar. You matter. Lord, we thank You. We thank You, Lord, that we matter to You. In Jesus' name, Amen. All people matter to us. All people. It's that simple. All people matter to God, so all people must matter to us. 
What if the world knew that they mattered to us? What if Pittsfield knew that they mattered to us? What if we lived in such a way that people knew they mattered to us, that they mattered to Jesus, just by the way we treat them, by the way we live with them, by the way we share with them, by the way that we lift them up, by the way that we pray for them, by the way that we don't condemn them? What if the world could see that in this little group here? Do you think we'd see some changes? I believe if we lived as a people that as if people mattered to us, then they will also have a much better understanding of how much they matter to God. That's why people matter. That's why it's one of our values here at Grace Capital Church. That we, we know that for all people to matter to us, we must know how much we matter to God. We know that once they understand that they matter to us and, and how they see that we love them and care for them and we don't condemn them, they'll understand that they matter to God. Because we'll be sharing that with them. We'll be living that out for them. And their lives will be changed forever by that one understanding that they matter. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. Because people matter. All people matter. So tonight as we dismiss, I want to read this to you. I've read it to you before. But please hear this and know that you matter to me. And this is how much. I want you to know that I'm committed to you. You'll never knowingly suffer at my hands. I'll never say or do anything knowingly to hurt you. If you're down and I can lift you up, I'll do that. Anything I have that you need, I'll share with you. And if need be, I'll give it to you. No matter what... I find out about you and no matter what happens in the future, either good or bad, my commitment to you will never change. And there's nothing you can do about it. You don't have to respond. I love you. And that's what it means. That's my challenge to live out for you and for others. And as we leave tonight, is that is our benediction. It's your challenge to live that way to others in your life too. God bless you. Thank you. And have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Grace Capital Church podcast. If you'd like to know more about this podcast and the mission that we have in New England, or if this podcast has been a blessing to you and you would like to support this ministry financially, please visit us online at gccnh.com 